0: There's a place in our world where the paper ballots go. A ballot box. Somewhere, I hope. Welcome to The Last Archive, special election edition. I'm Jill Lepore. How will we know the results of the 2020 election, and when? Last year on The Last Archive, we did a whole episode about the prediction of election results and how all that changed in 1952 turn back the hands of your clock and go listen to that episode. It's the fifth one, Project X. When I was reporting it, I telephoned the wonderful, delightful Bob Schieffer to ask him about calling elections on election night. Schieffer, who's now retired, was for a very long time the host of CBS's Face the Nation. The interview didn't really fit in the episode, but it's haunted me ever since. This election season, Twitter's announced that it's gonna slow the flow of information not so fast, people keep saying about this year's voting. So one question keeps nagging me. How did we get so caught up in a fetish for speed in the first place? Honestly, what's the hurry?
1: My, my, daughters used to always ask me "See, dad did you want to be a tv reporter when you were a little boy and they didn't have tv when i was a little boy yeah (laughs) come to fort worth until the eighth grade and i remember very well uh we were going out to eat uh one night and we had this mexican restaurant we always went to and we got out there was an appliance store uh next door to the restaurant and we uh uh, there was a little TV in the window and they had it on. And I remember that's the first time I'd ever seen TV. And I was just mesmerized by it. And my dad said, Come on, I'm hungry. I don't have time to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was my introduction to television. Wow.
0: And did your family watch the news when you then, like in, when you're in high school?
1: Oh, absolutely. We always watch the news. And uh, for some reason, and I don't really know why, I guess we watched CBS, although the local, uh, uh, affiliate in Fort Worth was an NBC station, but, uh, mm-hmm. my mother, uh, once, uh, Walter Cronkite came along and, and all of that, uh, she really liked Walter. And so we kind of, we kind of grew up with Huntley and Brinkley and, and Walter Cronkite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had forgotten, I went and was watching the, the 1952 coverage. So it's, Cronkite and Murrow and then Charles Collingwood I had forgotten how kind of dashing and debonair Cronkite was in the 50s
1: Yeah well and he had a mustache which not many people uh, on television uh, journalists had in those days but he was yeah. he was very urbane you know and he had uh, he'd been to World War II and uh you know he had been you know foreign correspondent and uh, so he he'd been around by that time and yeah. uh, a lot of people said that uh, you know if Walter walked into a television station today and applied for a job he wouldn't get hired because he didn't look like a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's he really uh, and he had that you know that cadence in his voice the sole correspondent and uh, <laughs> you know and nobody talks like that anymore yeah. But, yeah. but Walter really did talk like that and he talked like that off camera as well as uh, yeah. on camera.
0: Yeah, well wow. So, trying to grapple here, what the consequences are of the kind of explosion of information available to news broadcasters and reporters around elections? That really, you know, this is kind of watershed moment in '52 when CBS decides to try to predict the election the very night using uh, the returns as they're coming in that can be calculated with a Univac. CBS announced that they would be giving the fastest election prediction ever given and that they would call the election before anyone else could call it. Because in 52, the worry was, like, they w- if they made a prediction, it would be wrong. But if they didn't make a prediction, no one would watch. And so they bring in this machine to grant legitimacy to their prediction. Um, but then maybe they lead us into a different kind of political trouble. Uh, so I would just love to hear your vantage about— what it means to bring in computer and what we would now call, you know, big data into the newsroom on an election night.
1: You know, at CBS, when we would talk about those early days, the thing that, that always surprised us is they bought, brought in this computer. And then when they got the results from the computer, they didn't believe it. They, (laughs) They didn't know if it was true or not. And, and they were hesitant about reporting it. They held the information for a while, but it, uh, the coming of the computers changed everything about election night. I mean, in our romantic uh, rearview mirror, we look back and think about election nights when the family gathered around the radio and, you know, they put on an extra cup of coffee and then they waited and waited for the returns to come in. And and it was a lot of fun. And in, in a funny kind of way, among other things, the computer sort of took the fun out of election night and changed it completely. I mean, uh, you think back to, you know, back when Woodrow Wilson uh, in 1916, uh, he went to bed thinking he had lost the presidency. Mm-hmm. And it was not till four days later that he found out uh, that he had won. And then down through the years, that began, you know, to speed up a little bit. But with the coming of computers, it, it really changed everything. And some people— uh, thought that was very unfair. They didn't like the idea that we're going to find out in an hour or so who won the election. But in some cases, that was that was exactly what happened.
0: And so, when you had those conversations, did anyone? I mean, aside from sort of looking backward with a little bit of wistfulness, did anybody ever say, "Well, here's a here's a way we shouldn't be using them"? Or were you at the table for some of those conversations over the years?
1: Uh, you know, it, from the from the coming of the computers, from the coming of all technological uh, advances. You know, the one thing about communications that is constant is it's always changing. And as we have seen over the years, uh, it always gets faster. And the use of computers is like we always do with new technology. And that goes all the way back to to uh, the invention of the machine gun and you think about how many people died before the generals understood that the way to attack a machine gun is not to uh, march your troops head on into machine gun fire you kind of go around to the side and just like now we're we're grappling with what to do with digital and and all of that and you know we thought this was going to end all the problems and just make things faster but we didn't understand the downside uh, of these new technological uh, uh, advances. Uh, you think Facebook knew what the downside of uh, what Zuckerberg had, uh, you know, put on the on the market there? I'm sure he didn't, nor did anyone else. But we always, and it's understandable, but we always use technology before we completely understand it, and that was absolutely the case with the coming computers to election night.
0: So what are the aside from taking the fun out of election night, what are the other consequences, do you think, for coverage or for how the elections themselves go?
1: Well, the computers do make mistakes, and I mean, the technology is sometimes wrong. I mean, uh, and what I always think about on election night, the first thing when people talk about computers and things like that is in 1980. NBC called Ronald Reagan the winner at 8.15 on election night. Uh, it was such a huge landslide over Jimmy Carter. And Carter uh, formally conceded at 10 o'clock before the polls had even closed in the West. And Democrats were absolutely furious. Uh, two Democrats, Al Olman and uh, James uh, Corman, publicly blamed Carter for their defeats. Uh, out there, uh, whether that was the cause or not. They they actually said it was his fault. Uh, Senator Warren Magnuson was also defeated uh, because all these uh, many races in the Western time zone had been affected by Carter's uh, concession. Uh, House Speaker uh, Tip O'Neill was so furious, he exploded in a, a conversation with a Carter aide telling him, you jerks came in like a bunch of jerks, and you're going out the same way. He was just absolutely furious. And Washington State Congressman Tom Foley said it was vintage Carter at his dead worst. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, that we began to think about then, well, wait a minute here. We've got the ability to do this, and uh, the— the landslide was so overwhelming uh, that was there just wasn't much uh, question about whether it was right or not. It, it was it was right, but uh, uh, the impact was something that nobody had really thought very much about until that time.
0: And would that happen now? I mean, would people call a national election before the local contests had been decided?
1: Well. I think it would depend we We instituted rules somewhere back that we we never called a state until the polls had had closed in that state uh If you had a situation where uh would you call it before eleven o'clock i I think that's an open question if it was a huge and overwhelming landslide. I I think it would be very difficult uh, not to call it early in a in a presidential race, but uh, generally we have tried not to do that.
0: And would people ever? I mean, trying to think about the different role that the kinds of computers that are available now to newsrooms would have. You know, that first UNIVAC is this clunky thing, mm-hmm. and as you say, you know, CBS didn't even believe its prediction; didn't report on it initially. But you could know pretty early in a day on election day uh, how things are looking because of computational models that your computer would be able to kind of 538, uh, you know, I don't know, it's sort of the magical <laughs> work of of computer modeling that could be done early on. Does that influence, do you think, how how the coverage unfolds over the course of the day?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and a lot of times, you know, uh, early on, um, we'll go in and we'll get uh, – our pollsters will tell us, uh, like at CBS, uh, you know, it it looks like, uh, you know, somebody's going to carry uh, uh, Virginia. Or it looks like somebody's going to – you know, it, it. but we're not going to call that. And so we will uh, – the closest we'll come to that is we'll say – you know, it's uh, leaning or something like that. But we, we simply don't call any of those uh, early poll closing uh, uh, results until the polls in that, in that uh, section have actually closed. But uh, uh, the other thing, Jill, is the polls are just not as reliable as they once were. Even, even the exit polling where uh, people now tend to uh, sometimes not till uh, the pollsters and what exit polling is is we just hire people to go out and uh, stand outside the polls and ask people how they voted. Uh, well, some years back uh, when that first happened, people were happy to do it, and but now they sometimes lie to the people. They they uh, don't tell the truth or they just simply uh, won't uh, won't talk to them because they're such uh, well we're in such a partisan uh, like like atmosphere right now.
0: I mean, what computers are are doing on, on election day for a newsroom is making more information available more quickly and detecting patterns that would be hard for people working with pen and paper to detect. So at some level, what we're talking about is better evidence and more data and better information and more astute analysis. And we you would intuitively think, well, better evidence, more information, more astute analysis, even kind of bracketing for a question, the unreliability of polling data, but just thinking about other forms of data that the computer would have, previous the returns from previous previous elections, the kind of kind of Uh, dog-and-pony show that, you know, on on CNN when they have the hologram and they can make a 3D interactive electoral map and we suddenly can look at patterns over the last four presidential elections and we can look at these county-by-county bits of information, that it is a tremendous amount of evidence that is presented to us. And in a democracy, we're supposed to be informed. Is there a version of the influence of computers on election day reporting that is a good story, that is about improvements to our civic participation or our commitment to democratic institutions? I think We can both point to all the things that are kind of decaying around this, but what's the good side?
1: Well, the good side is that uh, we still, uh, this information is still valuable, but I mean, it's all part of this new world that we live in because we've undergone this this uh, uh, communication revolution that goes beyond just computers. I mean, the whole coming of the internet, we are, we have more information available to us than any people who've ever lived on earth at any one time in the history of the world. But does anyone think we're, uh, we're wiser or are we simply overwhelmed with so much information that we can't process it? And I'm, my feeling is we're overwhelmed. We're still working our way through this. We're still trying to figure to figure all this out, and it has had an impact on on the credibility of news organizations. And we find people more. It's more difficult for people to believe anything now, and so uh, the credibility of of all news organizations. Uh, every day of the year uh, is is not what it once was' just simply because we're just being drowned in in more information than we can possibly process and I think I think this is all part of that
0: yeah no very that's absolutely the case that but we we I think do tend to still, Want to believe that datum does mean wisdom? Well, it
1: does. I mean, you're absolutely right. It does add to more information. But you know, Martin Luther thought thought the invention of the printing press was going to make everything just fine. That once people could read the Bible in their own language, that all of the the problems and controversies they had would all be worked out. But after the invention of the printing press, we had 30 years of religious wars, it' suddenly everybody uh, all at once began to uh, uh, agree on things. And I think we're I think the coming of the Internet is having as profound an impact on our culture and Western culture as as the invention of the printing press had on on the people of its day.
0: Yeah. although the inventing the printing press makes possible the rise of modern democracy?
1: Absolutely.
0: So what does the invention of the internet make possible?
1: <laughs> Confusion. <laughs> I think uh, on the downside there's there's no question we can get more information faster than at any any time uh in the history of the world, but just because we get it faster does not necessarily mean uh, that uh, it's going to work out all the problems. There are still just this myriad of problems that, that have to be resolved. But we're getting there. But you know, we we just kind of haven't reached equilibrium yet. And and the coming of of the internet and the use of computers on election night is is just all part of that.
0: Yeah, I was t- my husband's a computer scientist at MIT, and I was asking him yesterday to give me some kind of a rule of thumb about the processing, the, the capacity of a computer of the nineteen fifties relative to today. And I was sitting, of course, with my laptop, my you know, my Mac in my lap, and he said, Well, one measure would be you have more memory on your Mac sitting right here in this room than all the computer storage in the entire world in nineteen sixty. <laughs> so yeah, you know, just in terms of the storage of data, not even being connected to the internet, just what was on my hard drive. So if you were giving the task of coming up with a plan for election day, election night coverage for 2020, what would be a priority for you?
1: Well, uh, just to improve the accuracy and, and to uh, I think I think the secret is it's it's not so much the use of the computers, but but the use of polling and finding polling uh, that uh, polling is not more reliable. It's it's one of the things that is not improved. Polling has gotten worse, uh, not not better. Uh, And we we're seeing that uh, now uh, on election night as as much as any other time and uh, finding a way. To get polls that were as accurate as we used to have uh, when, you know, we'd do a national poll at CBS and we'd call, you know, 5,000 people to get 1,500 people. Well, now we have to call 30 or 40,000 uh to get uh 1,500 people. And even so, you wonder who are the people that you're talking to when you when you do a poll like that. And I think that's that's where the. Uh, I think that's where the improvement could come. And that's the part we have to work on. And it's also the reason we have to be extremely careful. I mean, more careful than we've ever been before we broadcast anything, because as you now know, I mean, once information gets out now, uh, you know, Mark Twain, what was it? He said that a lie can go around the world while truth is still putting its pants on. (laughs) And, and, and that's where we are right now. I mean, what we're going through now uh in just the reporting of the news is it's not that people have always made mistakes. There have always been partisan people that are trying to put out false stories. But the difference now is how quickly it, it gets it gets to the public and, you know. We all have to spend time now just sorting out where did this come from? Is it true? Uh, how do they know that? And uh, that's that's what we've got. To, that's what we've got to work on. But we also have got to be very careful in what we report.
0: You know, historians talk a lot about this 1952 CBS election night, um, and it doesn't sound like it's a vivid memory for you as a kid. But is it something that within CBS people talk about, or there are stories about that? Yeah
1: yeah i mean uh elections and how we cover them is always <laughs> is always a topic the topic uh around cbs news and you know uh political uh conventions uh, election years people plan their careers around those Oh, those those big events, at least they did. Uh, they were still doing it in my day when when, you know, when I was out there covering campaigns and stuff. Uh, so you're always trying to figure out and and what you're always trying to figure out is how can you get the information before the other guys do, uh, which is what, you know, one of the main things that journalism is about and uh, i think sometimes we spent more time thinking about how can we get the news first than we did about uh, what what is the impact of the information we're getting uh, yeah, you know one thing we thought in uh, t- 2000 that election night was going to go back to being an old fashioned election night. We, we were going into that election. We knew it was going to be very close, uh, Gore versus Bush. And I remember on on the night before election night, I told Dan Rather, I said, we are, and I said this on television, I said, we're going to have uh, an old-fashioned election night. We may be up all night before we know who wins this thing. Well, under the heading of <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. You know what happened. It was December eleventh before we found out who or twelfth, I guess it was before we found out who who won that election. And uh, it was uh, it was it was one of the worst nights CBS uh, ever had. You know, uh we called Florida for Gore at seven forty that night. We recalled it at ten o'clock. Gore conceded. Then he took it back. Then CBS called Florida for Bush at 2 a.m., and then we had to take that back at 4 a.m. And so we got, we got an old-fashioned election, all right, but uh, it was something none of us uh, had anticipated. But uh, it's one of those nights I'll always remember.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that night, too, because I think it was one of the few nights I went to bed before it was resolved. I don't know that yeah. there's been another one. The desire somehow to have it all settled before you turn out the nightlight is a very strong strong one. From the other side, not being the journalist trying to get the news first, but being the listener (laughs) and the viewer, trying to find it out so I could just go to bed. I'm appreciating the speed and other reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) This election night, don't stay up late. Go to bed. The counting will take a while. 2020, the year of slow voting. Good luck staying sane and catching up on sleep. And we'll be back in the spring with a new season of The Last Archive about the rise of doubt, psychological warfare, hoaxes, conspiracy theories, Russian misinformation, fake pandemics, and maybe, but I hope not, disputed elections. You won't believe what we've uncovered. I mean, you should believe it, but people don't believe anything anymore. Next season, believe it or not.
1: In the '90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away, there's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. Twenty men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story, and so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, Last Archive listeners. I want to tell you about another podcast to add to your queue: The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan's podcast is aimed at making you a better informed critical thinker, so you can come to your own conclusions about what's happening in the world. He dives into the minds of fascinating people, from authors and activists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. You might enjoy Jordan's interview with Yuval Noah Harari. The author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, or his recent deep dive into modern flat earth theory, and why some still believe the earth is flat despite thousands of years of evidence to the contrary. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you'll find something useful you can apply to your own life in every episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show, whether it's asking for advice the right way, or discovering a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, That's H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts.